Welcome to another episode of Comedy Wham Presents with me, your host, Valerie, and sometime co-host, Miss Purrington, and uh, Mookie is standing at attention. ComedyWham.com is your place to go for features about all Austin comedy. You can keep up with us on Twitter and Instagram at Comedy Wham or on our Comedy Wham Facebook page. In addition to podcasts, Comedy Wham brings you articles, album reviews, our advice column, Rochelle Takes on Comedy, and we've also got a festivals page. And of course, we're best known for our events page for live shows in Austin, Houston, and DFW. If you're a comic in any of those cities and want your show featured on the calendar, simply go to our events page and click Submit a Show to complete the short survey. Tag us on your Instagram stories and posts, and we'll share your show promo. Looking for ways to support all these resources we provide? You can donate to Comedy Wham! on PayPal, Venmo, or even Patreon. Search for Comedy Wham! on Patreon and check out our subscriber perks. Now let's get back to our podcast. Launched in 2016, the podcast project brings you funny people and their stories. As a fan, I like to delve into a comic's background and motivations, and we'll usually take a detour along the way. Consider the interview a way for you to get to know the folks that make the Austin comedy scene one of the best in the country. If you like this podcast, please rate and review us. It really helps. Uh, Today, I am talking to somebody who has performed around Austin as well as across the state doing shows in Houston at The Secret Group and in Dallas. Forgot where, but I know it was in Dallas. Uh, He is the host and producer of the Laughing Stock comedy at uh, the Alamo Draft House Mueller. And he was a recent performer, uh, his first time on Altercation Comedy Festival this past year. And now Comedy Wham presents our guest, Chris Tan. Thank you for having me. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> I hate that that was so short, but I told you before we recorded that there's another Christopher mm-hmm. Tan, mm-hmm. and he's an actor type, and he has just dominated the Google search. <laughs> so. I think... Um, uh, it's funny that you're mentioning the the full name Christopher Tan because all my comedy stuff is under Chris Tan, so maybe that's how I can work the algorithm. So yeah. I, I gotta figure that yeah, out. Yeah, 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 exactly. Very yeah. good to know. <laughs> so Chris, welcome. Uh, you reached out to to get on, and I'm happy to introduce the universe to uh, our comedy wham audiences. Mm-hmm. Anyway, to uh, to new comics, uh, and I always start my podcast with an icebreaker question. So uh, let me ask you one word to describe your past. My past in comedy or just in life? Open-ended. Oh. (laughs) Oh. Bored. Bored? Bored, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's actually a perfect word. Yeah. Because, I don't know, just uh, my parents sent me to like this preppy like like a college prep school and it was just so boring the Mm. entire time i remember like sitting in like history class learning about like burgundy and and then i was like this is not what i want to do this is yeah and so like comedy is the opposite of boring to me it's just learning how to make your own fun yeah so i guess if that's the before then fun is the after yeah 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 so where did you grow up like 25 minutes from here. I grew up, oh. I was born, I grew up in Pflugerville, and then I went to St. Stephen's, which is in Westlake, not too far from yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, so I was like born and raised in Austin. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. Because you mentioned before, when you came in, that your dad is French. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, oh, you know, world traveler type. <laughs> <laughs> he did travel a lot. He moved to Texas when he was like 19, so mm. he lived in Paris for like a good like eight years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. Do you speak French? Did he? No, no, he no, didn't. No. I, I took a French class one, uh, like sixth grade. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, that's that's funny. Uh, okay, so one of those rare born and bred Austinites. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's only of a like seven of us left. Yeah, yeah. They call yeah. us unicorns. Yep, that's right. <laughs> so you're you're an Austinite too, then? I'm not. Oh, you're not. I'm also a transplant. Okay. Many times, multiple times, I I. Grew up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Mm-hmm. Well, I was born in Belgium, but then grew up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Came okay. to UT for my college days, left, and then eventually came back. Got it. Okay. So, yeah. You look very settled here. I don't think you're leaving anytime soon. No, I'm not. There's too much junk. It's also <laughs> like a multi-generational home, so it's just... Oh, there's just okay. Got it. Two households full of junk in here. Mm. <laughs> 
or not junk, but you know, possession. This is what my household looked like as a kid, and it was just one generation. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so growing up, uh, while you were bored, did comedy have any role in your life? Mm, I remember my first comedy show ever. One of my good friends, he took me to Gabriel Iglesias. Oh, nice. And, um,. Yeah, I was just laughing the entire time. Like it was like messing up my like face. (laughs) I love shows like that. Yeah, it was like the first time I ever laughed that much in an hour, Uh and uh, still like escapes the idea of like actually doing what they're doing. Mm -hmm. But that was like my first introduction. It's like storytellers. Like I also watched Mike Birbiglia. That was the second comedy show I went to, and then. This is where the fun experimenting and comedy comes. I was like, oh, I'm going to be a storyteller. And then <laughs> I went to an open mic. Uh, the first open mic ever. Talked about like visiting the Church of Scientology, taking their IQ test, which is pretty interesting, but uh-huh. it was an open mic, so no one gave yeah. a shit. And yeah. So I was like, I'll just learn how to write a joke and stop telling stories. <laughs> how old were you? At the Church of Scientology? No, 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 no. When you did your first open mic. Oh, 22 okay yeah so you're already out of school by then so oh yeah you, okay I was like got, fresh got out of you school, okay like you fast forward out. you really want to get past the bore, boring parts of your life yeah yeah <laughs> uh okay so when you uh finished high school did you you stayed here no i went to um school in um new york okay mm-hmm. all right yeah and since you went to school in New York, were you anywhere New York, near New York City? I was in Rochester, but then right after that, I worked at a bank like after graduation. So I was in New, like New York, New York. Okay. Mm-hmm. And based on the good experiences that you had with comedy, did you realize you were in a mecca of comedy? I I had like an inkling. Like I was um <laughs> I was a f- I guess like a comedy fan before like a comic which yeah i I think like the time span in between like becoming a comic and comic fan was like very short yeah like in new york there's just so much comedy so i'd like go out and watch like four shows a week just watching and then i didn't do comedy till like maybe like eight months into like watching so many shows yeah yeah what was it that sparked you to want to give it a shot Oh <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like some natural like. Oh, you should do kind of. Yeah. No, no, no. He was like, you need to do this. Really? <laughs> yeah, because but- um, I started doing improv like I think like fresh out of college. Mm. Just talk about being bored. Like yeah. I just remember like I worked at a bank, and all people would do after work or on the weekends was just drink, and I was like, ah, I'm gonna do something more interesting. <laughs> Your story sounds so. Uh- so Hunter Duncan like because I think Hunter Duncan had like almost exactly it's so funny experience. we actually I've actually talked to him about this it's, uh-huh. yeah and he was like yeah I'm basically like a Westlake future kid. you in six years yeah and yeah I mean not that Improv you were a Westlake kid does stand up yeah not Bank, the comedy central part the, yet but yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he told me like when you're six years in then it'll happen yeah yeah <laughs> so funny it's so funny okay oh. so you're th- <laughs> i'm just amused yeah, he- the therapist tells you to go do comedy <laughs> yeah yeah i was just telling him yeah i do improv like i hate my job at the bank and then he was just like dude you're you're smart you're you're charismatic you're good looking you got everything baby oh my <laughs> <God>. <laughs> i was like quit blowing smoke up my ass man he's like no you're a triple threat <laughs> My my sister That's used so to funny. date Andrew Dice Clay. You were funnier than him, and I was like, "Shut up!" <laughs> so funny. Wow. Uh, okay, but it helps that you did improv too, because you learn Definitely a lot of, of things. Where 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 were you learning improv? At the Magnet and the Pit. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I don't know. I I just know UCB is you know, right. Yeah, that was the third one. That was the only one I really didn't hit. Yeah. But yeah, th- those are like the three main ones. Yeah. In town. And what did you think about your improv experience? Oh, it was so fun. Yeah. It was like uh, the first time ever like doing improv was like probably the closest I'll ever come to like doing heroin. <laughs> it, it felt so good. It, talk about being bored. That, that was the first time I felt alive. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, this is wow. fun. Yeah. Wow. So you were hooked. It was, yeah. It yeah. got me. Do you still do improv today? Or have you? No, no. I don't. It's... um. 
Yeah, I, I do miss it a lot, but I think I incorporate a lot of improv in stand-up because, like, uh, I like to go up and riff and kind of, like, break the fourth wall. So, like, the yeah. first, like, minute, two minutes of a, a set is just, like, off the top of the dome. Mm, okay. All right. So how did you decide where to do your first open mic and... Um, I mean, was it an immediate response to, okay, my therapist told me to do this, so tonight I'm going to an open mic? Or did you have to say, my therapist is telling me to do an open mic, uh-huh. or you can go do stand-up, but come on, really? And yeah. then you, you sit on it for a while. No, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do stand-up. That's fine with me. But this is a testament to how hard it is to get stage time. I was like, all right, I'm, I'm down. I'll, I'll do it tonight or tomorrow. Uh-huh. And then <laughs> I tried signing up for mics, and then it took me, like, five days to, like, finally get on. Oh, wow. Because, like, it's a whole fortress of, like, how to, like, break into this open mic scene, especially in New York. Yeah. And so just, like, hunting for an open mic that, like, I probably went to, like, three venues that, like, I found online. Mm-hmm. And then I get there, and it's, like, not there anymore. Oh, Like, that kind gosh, of thing. You yeah. Know? But, yeah, first open mic ever was at the pit. In New York, near, like, Madison Square Park. Mm. And, yeah, I just ate shit with everybody else <laughs> for five minutes. It's not one of those stories where it's like, yeah, I'm murdered. <laughs> <laughs> well, as, as an improv fan uh, and performer, did you go into it thinking, oh, I'm just going to riff the, this entire time? Or did you come in trying to prepare? I didn't really write any jokes. I just, uh, like I mentioned, the Scientology story. Mm-hmm. I like oh, right, just, right. Just like listing out one, two, three, this is what happened. Uh-huh. And yeah, it was, didn't really hurt or anything to go up because I was like, oh, I saw other people not do well because it's a mic. Yeah. And then, yeah, I kind of just zoned out. <laughs> I didn't get the heroin feeling like I did with the uh, improv one, though, which is surprising. Yeah. So did you want to go back and tell your therapist, no? Or did you say, I got to try this again? That's a good question. I think the entire time he was just trying to get me to quit my job. So he was, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which he wasn't a cheap therapist. It wasn't the best plan, but yeah. <laughs> he, he had his my well-being at, at heart. <laughs> So did you, how long before you tried it again? Um, the entire time I was still doing improv, but my second open mic, let's see, first was in April 2019, the second one was July. Okay. Yeah, so it was a good, like, f- three months in between. Yeah. Why'd you wait so long? Well, the entire time I was like, should I quit my job? At oh! Yes. <laughs> 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 Yeah, and yeah. by July, had you decided? or Oh, by you're... June, I was out. I <laughs> wow. think like two days after my birthday, yeah, I was out. Yeah. And how did it, did it, did you approach the second time doing the open mic any differently? More carefree. More scared, but carefree. Mm. You know, like you, when you get those butterflies in your stomach, it just like lets you know that you're scared, but you're also alive. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah. And did you feel better coming off the, the stage? I don't even remember what the second one was like. So probably not good if I don't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, yeah. Maybe you, you blocked it out of your yeah. your consciousness. It's just crazy to be starting out in New York, yeah. you know? After like going literally from like working at an investment bank to like an unemployed comic. It's like night and day right there. Yeah. Uh, unemployed comic doesn't last a real long time in a super expensive city either no so for i guess like a good like half year i was just saving up money and then um worked at a restaurant but mainly living off of savings so i went like good nine months kind of just like having fun doing mics every day yeah so uh that puts us at late 2019 Mm -hmm. uh i know something big is coming up in march of 2020 (laughs) Did you come back before then, or was that what made you come back? That's what made me come back, okay. yeah. Um, so you were willing to tough it out 
with the savings that you had and working your restaurant job or I would have made something happen yeah yeah because I was like shoot I'm young I'm 23 like you feel invincible when you're 23 yeah. and then your knee starts to hurt and you're like oh shit <laughs> it does not get better I can't afford physical therapy <laughs> <laughs> and then you're like oh man <laughs> good thing I still have friends at the bank <laughs> you had those thoughts yeah <laughs> Uh, okay, so then in that time, how how often were you able to to do stand up? Oh, like fifteen times, twenty times a week. Oh, yeah. So I was getting up like three ish times a night. Yeah, yeah. And were you were you getting to that point where you were kind of feeling that heroin, like? Yeah, definitely. The crazy thing with stand up is that uh, the um, the level of progression is like very rapid in the first, I would say, year hmm. to where you can look back like even from like a month ago and be like, wow, I've gotten better or at least less crappy. Like you can feel the progress much faster. Yeah. And were you excited about that up until March yeah, of definitely. 2020? <laughs> March of 2020. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, living in in New York, I was like, shoot, I think I'd rather spend a pandemic and <laughs> my parents. Yeah. And like, well, like everything was shut down. New yeah. York is very, very aggressive about yeah. the lockdown. It's back though. I, I just went back yeah. to New York like a week ago. Yeah. Yeah, it was so fun just doing shows. It was crazy going from like starting out in New York and then coming to Austin where it popped and then like, I guess like, getting better for like two years and then coming back to new york and then just just like the the change that mm -hmm. i saw like it kind of crystallized for me it helped a lot yeah when you were living here in austin since you hadn't started comedy uh in austin did you know what you were coming back to as far as where the comedy scene stood for new york no 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 here in austin oh in austin no, I didn't really know what to expect. I've been to Cap City like maybe five or six mm -hmm. times. Um, I just, yeah, honestly, I didn't know what to expect. Yeah. I just signed up for open mics and like just did shows. Like, Well, I guess my question is a little bit bigger perspective than that. It's you've, you're, you're, you feel like you're hitting your stride in New York, but then uh -huh. you realize oh, I can't afford to live here if I can't perform. Right. So I'm going to come back to Austin because I get free rent. Mm -hmm. um, but I really like what I've been doing with comedy. Can I do comedy oh, in Austin? Because I, I don't I know anything about the Austin comedy scene. Right. I never really had that fear, I guess, just because like my my comedy worldview was like still kind of limited. Mm -hmm. It was just like get up as much as possible. That, that's all that mattered. And then Austin yeah. provided that. And then I guess it became kind of a hub in the middle of the pandemic. Yeah. yeah. So it really just lined up. Like I happened to like quit a job in New York, which happened to be the comedy mecca, moved back during the pandemic, which became Came. Austin, like yeah. its own little mecca. Yeah. So we were locked down for quite some time. And then I'd say it was the <clears throat> fall of 2020 when things started. Like some, yeah. some of the uh, aggressive new faces in Austin um, became or made spaces available for performers. Mm -hmm. So yeah. for you, it was just, um, you weren't concerned about that. You were just like, Hey, I can, I can go back to doing comedy again. Uh, it wasn't until like maybe after that. Okay. Yeah. So. Like once like people started getting vexed, then yeah. it was like full throttle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And did you write in that time, or did you just turn the spigot off completely to your comedy mind? <laughs> living at home, I try to keep it alive. I would write like a new joke a day and then post it in like the living room. <laughs> People are like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> well, that's good, though, that you keep, kind of, you know, try to keep that creative part of you going. Mm -hmm. um, I think for the most part, just like trying to live life, um, I'd say for like a good four months initially like at the start of the pandemic yeah just to like still feel like i was living it up yeah i went on like a, a road trip just like traveling around like solo backpacking oh and wow so i think didn't help with comedy but i guess like to develop as a comic you need to like develop on like a spiritual level for like lack of a better word mm -hmm. just like more self-awareness 
I think it's easier to be like true on stage if you kind of like know what you're carrying in your own head. That's something that people three to five years into comedy finally start realizing. So the <laughs> fact that you're one, you know, if you carve out the pandemic, like you know, one to half, two, you know. yeah, to have that awareness is, um, you know, fast track compared to I appreciate that, what yeah. most people. <laughs> 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 also, I, I'm a big believer that, you know, without life experiences, what are you bringing to the stage? That's how people get stuck in just dick jokes that's beautiful yes because that should be the quote for the podcast that's beautiful you're you're entirely right because it's one thing to demand attention it's another thing to to deserve it like Mm. it's a lot of times like even myself i go up there i'm like why why should they listen you know like I, I, you always see comics being like hey you got to listen to me i got the microphone like why should they listen to what, what you have to say so yeah. I think that's kind of like, honestly, the first thought I have is like, why is this interesting? Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> so when when you were starting to go up on stages, uh, the way that I like to describe the Austin comedy scene in early 2021 is it's very much dominated by the Brogans, <laughs> the, the Big Laugh, uh, Creek in the Cave was starting to, to open up, so... You know, it was catering to the Brogans as well. So it was a very aggressive style of comedy. And this is this is history lesson. This isn't talking down. But mm-hmm. that, that was what the scene was. Because all of the pre-pandemic comics, they were like, we're not ready to come back into the scene, playing it safe. And their style of comedy was more um, eclectic, diverse, uh, just very... Uh, very hip and cool and you know but not not what you would describe as right. you know broganish <clears throat> so you're coming into a scene as things are opening up um you may not and and because you didn't have that history of what the scene was before mm-hmm. how did you feel about dropping into scene having your experience in new york and seeing what the austin comedy scene looked like to to you that's interesting yeah because that's like three different angles right there Mm -hmm. my new york experience austin old and Mm -hmm. austin new um honestly i think i was a little bit more acquainted with the the brogan scene just because new york is so aggressive in its comedy Mm -hmm. i think that comes with kill tony too that i think Mm. that is put aside like Rogan and the Brogans and all yeah. that. I think Kill Tony, just in nature, tends to be a little bit more crass mm-hmm. because it's like kind of a roast show and then kind of a dark comedy right. show. And so that, I think for a good like eight months, became the heart of the Austin comedy scene. Just yep. going down to Vulcan every Monday was religious for comics. And so that dictates a lot of comics' like perspective on like what comedy is. And yeah. so it becomes like very refined and crystallizes and i think a lot of like austin comics are within two years of starting and so like when you just watch kill tony and like the the brogans and that becomes like your worldview for comedy Mm -hmm. so i think yeah i think i was fortunate enough to like see different areas of comedy in new york so i kind of had an idea of like what i wanted yeah in terms of like me being my own like favorite comedian you know Mm mm-hmm did you do the the kill Tony? Were oh, you I've one of those up like fifteen times? Yeah. <laughs> no dice yet. Oh man, <laughs> it's okay. Hans did it for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, what a magical life he's had. And God, I mean, that's just so incredible. From you know, from the fall from grace with with Pang, to Hans sweeping in and just. God, I get so I get jealous watching Hans yeah. is like, oh look, I'm at the UFC cage, you know, right there, or I get to watch this. And, I've oh, been I mistaken to... for him eight times. Oh, no. How do you think I feel, oh, no. Valerie? How do you think I feel? Oh <laughs> man. Ah, oh, well, you know, and that speaks to the lack of diversity sometimes <laughs> in in our comedy scene because you probably didn't face that as much in New York, which is such a melting pot. Yeah. And here, it's like, you know, it's very white. <laughs> it's a right. very white comedy scene. Right. Um, 
I think the topics that are spoken about in Austin are like a little bit more limited. Um, just going back to New York, it's a little bit more diverse. I mean, obviously, it like boils down to like dick jokes yeah. for the most part with, with yeah. like Let's be real. comics who were within the first like five years. Right, right, right. And until you get wise to oh, life experiences. That's what people can actually right. relate to. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's nothing wrong with a good dick joke, but it's the life experiences that. Uh, get you lifelong fans as a comic too right and talk about like what you mentioned earlier like insights to like being a five-year comic it'd be so helpful for like comics just to learn how to like write a joke i'm not saying i'm a master but like mm-hmm. a lot of people go up there with like funny ideas like i think if you go to an open mic <laughs> there's so many people who come up and be like dude i just know it would be if funny like just think about it the boston bomber like he had to have like gone shopping at Walgreens to, like, go and pick that up. Isn't that crazy? And then they do an act out, and they're like, ah, no, no, like, write the fucking joke, dude. This isn't a skit. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so you're, you're seeing the Austin comedy scene, and you're uh, performing it. Is it, do you get to a point where you feel as, as good about doing comedy as you were when you, uh, when you were doing it in New York? Mm. <clears throat> I feel like at Austin, in terms of, like, skill level, helped me out a lot. Just, like, a lot of quality stage time mm. and still being able to get up, like, 15 times a week. And so I think my... Just, like, in two years, I, I was able to, like, kind of progress. Yeah. Is that how often you were going up? Yeah. In Austin, or, or was, was that New York? Oh, no, it was about, about the same in New York and wow. Austin. It's like 15-ish times a week, sometimes 20 Yeah, on a good week. Yeah, that's that's impressive. That's mm-hmm. a lot of that's a lot of work. I got nothing else to do. No. My, 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 I live with my parents right now, and they're like, dude, why do you go out every night? And I'm like, what else is there to do? Yeah. Like, I've done a little bit of everything. Like, I studied, like, religion in college. I, like, went camping, like, in the middle of nowhere for, like, a couple months. Uh-huh. Solo backpack to Ecuador, like f- teaching like immigrants how to like speak English. I've done a little bit of everything. Yeah. Like, Comedy is just nothing else to do. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> okay, somebody listening to this who's worked their asses off for comedy, you know, you're making it sound like, oh, this is a fallback. But it can't be a fallback for you. Oh, like, you, no. You, you love it? No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> a fallback has to be something where you make the big bucks, uh, you know? <laughs> yeah. Three drink tickets after a 10-minute <laughs> set. That's not the big bucks. Yeah, right, right. Okay, so as as 2021 starts to take shape and um, some of the old guard comics start to, you know, reopen their, their shows and... Mm-hmm. And start getting the stage time and you're seeing this whole other flavor of what the comedy scene, what the scene was. Does that impact you in any way? Mm. Not as much as I would think, honestly, because they... They kind of had, like, their own little circles. Mm-hmm. They were never, like, mean or anything like that. Like, Hunter yeah. Duckin, talk about a nice guy. And oh, yeah. like, somebody from, like, the old scene. He's been nothing but kind to me. So I think, um, yeah, just getting exposure to them. And then, like, this is where, like, reality and, like, I guess social media kind of differ. Because online people are, like, old scene uh, uh, this and that about them, nothing good. And then you yeah. meet them in person, like Hunter Duncan, pretty nice guy. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. He's <laughs> still humble after Comedy Central. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's true. There, there is a more humble uh, side to to them. I mean, there's I could think of a handful of names of people that have gotten Comedy Central credits, and they've mm-hmm. you know they've they've all been very humble about it right i think yeah it's just all perception versus yeah. reality i i can think of like 12 comics off the top of my head who are just like yeah i'm friends with them they're they're cool <laughs> they book yeah. me on shows so yeah 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 cool um okay well this is just about the perfect spot for us to take an intervi- intermission before we start talking about the the new show that you've been uh putting together mm-hmm. so 
We've got this card game, where should we begin? And it's two cards in front of you, and you're gonna pick one, and I'm gonna read it off, and you're gonna answer the open-ended okay. question, and then you'll read off my question. So. Perfect. Which one do you want me to read <clears throat> off? Let's do this one. All right, very good. Ooh, this is a fun one. The best prank I've ever pulled off. <laughs> Talk about leaving a bank and starting comedy. That'll scare your parents. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Ooh, you want to hear a prank? Oh, as a mom, you might not like this, but... <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. I had two roommates in college who... um they just hated each other, and I kind of, like, felt the wrath of it just because I was so close to them. And mm -hmm. then, like, they they wanted me to help mediate it. And so, just to speed the process up, I slipped some acid in there. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Just a little bit. Just a little bit, Valerie. Just a little. Like a quarter tab. Just oh enough God. to make you want to skip. <laughs> it was, And then it, it was good. They cried a little bit. It was good. Oh, how funny. It actually worked. Yeah, it worked. Oh, my yeah, God. I, I know my dosage. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I don't know if your therapist would have approved of this as a. Oh method. no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll have to remind my son: do not take any drinks from anyone, ever. Not even your roommate. It's, uh, I've never roofied anybody. Okay. I okay. Just, that's I, I just made them happy. <laughs> okay, and it surprisingly worked. That's amazing. Okay. So, Chris, you are performing comedy. You're kind of in a routine. You're, you're surely getting noticed because if you're performing 15 times a week, then, you know, you're getting better and mm -hmm. people are, are, are booking you. Mm -hmm. um, do you remember what your first book show here in Austin was? In Austin? Oh, let me think. I think it was from Marty Clark at... <sighs> Baker Street Pub. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's what I was going to guess because, mm -hmm. yeah, that was That was a great room. Yeah, it was a great first show in Austin. Yeah. yeah. And that showcase is still going. It's, it is, yeah. Yeah, it's a solid weekly showcase. It's very good. Yeah. Um, did you approach it any differently than... Uh, oh, I actually, what I want to know is your first open mic, you tried to pull off a story. Mm -hmm. Did Have you stayed true to wanting to be a storyteller comic? No, not at all. Okay. So I what, think I told, like, three stories two uh, maybe three stories and then i was like we got to change this <laughs> so what is your your approach now style now i'd say i align more to like what people call like black comics i okay. guess like um chris rock richard pryor all, although they're white like um doug stanhope he's also like kind of a black comic just i guess like more real like they they break the fourth wall and then because mm. i found that it's easier because a lot of comics go up there with, like, a persona. And I think it's... A bomb is so much less hurtful if you're just yourself up there. It's one thing to, mm. like, you know, like, make up a fake story and then it bombs. But if you have, like, something real to say... It doesn't have to be, like, earth-shattering truth. But just, like, yeah. something that you believe. Then you're like, oh, screw it. Whatever. That was just whatever. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So then you... Uh, I don't know exactly when. It feels like it's fairly recent. You've launched uh, the Laughing Stock show. Mm -hmm. Was that your first produced show? No, I've produced like maybe three or four other venues. Okay. Um, like. And why did you decide to get into that part of? Oh, stage time. Ah, <laughs> stage <okay>. time, baby. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, I, I just like looked at like what you would call like the top dogs in the scene and they're they're funny but they're also like strong producers too yeah so that's like another skill of comedy and mm -hmm. it helps you like make some money on the side too um yeah so i just i before this show i got lucky i had like a weekly residency at one-to-one -one bar which is no longer unfortunately because the owner really loves strippers oh god <laughs> Oh yeah. my gosh. <laughs> he had a lot of girlfriends. <laughs> oh boy. Um, very nice guy. Very sweet guy. Uh, but yeah, I was. I just ran a show every week. Some shows were hot, some were eh. But like, I think that was like a producer boot camp for me. Just learning how to market a show, build a lineup, host a show. I ran like 40 shows there. And then just along the way, just like producing other shows at different venues. 
So 40 pre- shows is a lot. Were, yeah. Were these weekly shows? or Weekly shows, yeah. Oh, wow. That mm-hmm. is a lot. Probably, yeah. I did the math with my girlfriend the other day. And, like, probably made like 55 shows in the last year and a half. Wow. And did you, you said it was a produ- producing boot camp, but were you watching other people? I mean, you're going to 15 shows a night or mm-hmm. not a, a night. No, that would be impossible. A week. Were you watching how other people and observing? Because... If you were working at an investment bank, you're not a dumb guy. So were you watching how other people were producing shows to see if you oh, could kind of yeah. learn? Oh, yeah. Learn what not to do, what to do. Yeah, just like how to make a flyer, how to promote it, where to promote it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just like down to the nitty gritty, down to where like I have it like down to like a science, like a little recipe on how to like make yeah. a good show. Yeah. And what are some uh, do's and don'ts? Because you're pretty early on in your comedy career, as we've established. Uh, reaching levels of wisdom that some people take a few more years to figure out. What are some do's and don'ts for, for people who want to produce shows mm. that you think people should pay attention to? Oh, okay. Um, be friends with the venue. Mm. You know, if you're seeing them every week, it becomes like almost religious at that point. So just like, I don't know, like bring them cookies when it's like Christmas or like Thanksgiving. Just like... Yeah grab a drink with them after the show and not bounce and like pick up the chairs and all that just to show that they care to show that you care about them too and that makes the show so much better like the crowds can like detect just like the energy in the room based on like how the bartender feels uh this is so funny that you that was your first thing that you said i almost wanted to do like the 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 um the the gif or jif if that's how you prefer to say it where it's the person like they just jump up knock the chair back and start applauding because Uh i just had this conversation with our columnist rochelle and uh that we were talking about producing shows and i said i think one of the most important things to remember is the venue wants to make money that's why they're letting you do that Mm -hmm. and if you can be friends with them that's part of helping them make money because you're on friendly terms. Mm-hmm. I, I love that you said that. That was the first thing that you said. <laughs> because comics, the performers, you know, they, they need to remember that. That mm-hmm. the venue is, has opened their doors oh, up to man. you. Talk about don'ts. Like, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm no comedy master, but this is an iron set rule. Like, don't go up <laughs> on stage during a show and and bomb and then be like why are you idiots here y'all paid money yes. to see this show okay oh, i will i will again. oh my god dude <laughs> don't blame the audience everybody uh, bombs and it's okay but don't blame the audience Jeez, yeah there, there's assholes in the crowd i dealt with a heckler this week yeah. like shit you don't just like tell them like why did you spend 20 dollars to see me like shit they didn't know they're gonna see like jimmy pancake at 8 p.m on a tuesday dude <laughs> fuck you dude <laughs> okay those are some good do's and don'ts okay so you had this one show that you produced nearly a year and then you've this laughing stock is your third one um i'd say fourth fourth okay yeah i've had a couple different venues yeah uh the laughing stock is the first one that i noticed Mm -hmm. because the flyer is so great thank you uh so i i don't know if i missed the boat and you had other you had great flyers for your other shows i just know that i love that one's probably my favorite one so far yeah Yeah, it was definitely um it's all about just looks yeah i made like a promo video too that helps the show a lot yeah um, people just want to know what they're seeing, and it has to look. They have to feel cool going to the show. Yeah. So I think I, I could change the name. That would make it f- seem cooler. But uh, everything else is there. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I why do you think Laughing Stock isn't? It's a little bit. I, I like what I've done. Like Laughing Stock, making it like a like an investment stock. Like, oh, I didn't even funny. think about that part. Oh shoot, you didn't yeah, even get it. All right, I so we gotta scrap the name. We gotta. Scrap. I could sell more shows if I had a better name. <laughs> oh. I've been trying to link it up with my investment banking pass. So I, 
That way it seems like a metaphor. So, uh, we'll change it. But then, I mean, do you go up on stage and talk about your investment banking past a lot? No. Well, I have like two jokes yeah, about Yeah, so nobody's going to get that reference. No, I'm it's just thinking for me. It's more... for me. Okay, it's for you. It's All for right. me. Well, you got to make yourself happy. That is, <laughs> that is true. That is true. Uh, and Mueller is like just such a hopping... <clears throat> Nice and gentrified. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and um, I know that that draft house has been pretty open to having comedy shows for years now. Before the pandemic, they were doing shows or hosting shows there. Uh, the great Aaron Brooks and oh crap, uh, Mac Blake used to do uh, oh, a show a uh, before before the pandemic. Well, actually, an Aaron Brooks moved to LA, so. Mm-hmm. Um, Anyway, there's a history of, of, of the Draft House Mueller being okay. supportive of comedy. So it's kind of cool that you got, you got uh, a show there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, speaking of doing comedy in interesting places, I know one friend, he like, this is just a testament to like how you have to like build your own stage time. He built his own stage. He has like Ty Wynn. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Out uh, of his ha- own house. Yeah, shooting a special. Ty there. has always been like, pushing the boundaries of what you think is you know what comedy should be he's always I been kind of i respect him and his approach to comedy a lot because he's very numb to like his surroundings mm-hmm. in the sense that like if he is like quote-unquote being shunned or something he doesn't give a fuck Mm-mm. anymore yeah and um <clears throat> i think that's something i could learn uh, I'm not the best at the networking, like shooting the shit at a comedy club for like five hours, hoping that somebody just gives you a guest spot. I just want to mm. get better. Yeah. So like, that's why I try to get up as much as possible. Like the idea of like sitting around at the Creek in the cave from 7 PM till 2 AM, like five days a week. It's just like, Oof. I don't want to do that. Yeah. I just want to get better, but like it's, it's a meritocracy up until a certain point, I think. And then the rest, you kind of just have to, like, shoot the shit with people. And that's, like, one area that I lack. Yeah. Well, and the Creek in the Cave brings its New York history. And New York, I thought that was kind of a standard thing where you, you're kind of a beholden to, you know, a five, six-hour period hoping to get your, your mic spot. Mm. That's – it's interesting that you mentioned that because the Creek – had two different rooms back then, hmm. the both indoors. And so you could do that. Yeah, they would have like f- sometimes three or four mics in a night. Hmm. So that's why people would stay there for like six hours. But over here in Austin, just cause how it's designed, it's just yeah. like one mic a, a night later in the night. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But there's a lot of open mics around yeah. town, yeah, so there's, it's, there's it's no, no shortage. Uh, new ones popping up, it seems, all the time. Uh, okay. Well, uh, congratulations too on getting into Altercation Comedy Festival. Oh, thank uh, you. I don't know if you've been you've tried to get into other festivals. Yeah, I'm lucky right now. I just found out like last week. I um got into like I think Twin City Comedy Festival. Okay. Somewhere up like near Dallas. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah the so Paris. I'm... The Paris. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. I'm lucky. I'm two for two on festivals. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That is good. That is good. And altercation, you know, it's kind of near and dear to my heart because I talk to JT mm-hmm. every year to help him promote. Nice. And I know how much he cares about his lineups. And so I know that it's, he's, he's really paid attention to the people that he, he selects. Okay, I'm happy. So that, yeah. yeah, it's not just a, yeah, your tape was good. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll throw you in. He's, for him, it's all about a, you have to be good. That's a baseline. Uh-huh. But also, B, he's thinking about the lineup for a particular night because he's already got his headliners in mind. Uh-huh. And how will the overall show come out? And you know, maybe other festivals do that. I just, I just happen to get that insight because I talk to JT mm-hmm. every year. It makes so much sense that he thinks that far ahead because he's essentially like the only producer for the festival Mm -hmm. and so he curates a very specific experience versus if it's like jfl it's probably like 40 people who like 
curate the experience, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's a little more haphazard. Thanks for letting me know that. I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was a really fun first festival. Yeah. It was smaller, but more intimate, which I liked. Yeah. And incredible reputation mm-hmm. as, you know, solid festival. Yeah. It felt like a punk rock concert. Yeah. Like, that's how they close. That's his whole festival. vibe. That's yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's all <laughs> punk rock. Yeah. It's all like CDs too. <laughs> oh yeah. He's, oh my gosh. And he's just nonstop, nonstop work ethic. It's, it's kind of crazy. Uh, to see okay so that's awesome you're gonna get to another festival yeah uh, it's next. been yeah just trying to honestly my only goal for comedy is just like get as good as possible then have like a couple credits under my belt and then just like be able to go to like any city like yeah hopefully any country and just be like hey can i just do 10 minutes yeah <laughs> it's just the uh the opportunity to do it anytime yeah yeah so well uh, what are you doing to put that into into action just trying to get as funny as possible, build like a strong 15 and then go back to New York and then kind of just work the clubs yeah. and then do a Tonight Show, Comedy Central. Oh, wow. You're yeah. like super specific on your, your yeah, goals. Yeah, I think you have to be specific in comedy because yeah. it's easy to just like go to open mics every night and then do the same like 12 jokes. Mm-hmm. So I think just zooming out a little bit, it saves you so much time. Yeah. You know? Vision board. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I have a little roadmap. Yeah, just like that. <laughs> Nothing it's not wrong on the wall. The it's on yeah. the paper. It's on the table, though. Is it really? Yeah. I mean, is it like that physical manifestation? Yeah, it's in my backpack in my uh, my car. Right oh now. my god, that's amazing. Uh, Jasmine Ellis, who is now in LA, but she she did comedy. She's like this. First comic I ever saw in um, <laughs> in a Cap City. Really? I, I laughed so hard at her first oh. joke. Her first joke, I. I'll, I'll tell it. It was yeah. just so funny. She was like, <laughs> "I just uh, I signed up for two f- fantasy football leagues. I-, I loved it so much, and then I realized dick is free." <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know that joke, and I can hear it in her voice. Oh God, I uh, love Jasmine so much. Um, so funny. The second time I interviewed her, uh, I went to her her house to record. And the first time that I interviewed her, she talked about her vision board. But the second time I interviewed her, I got to see the vision board. Mm. And I just love it when somebody is that... Not driven, because I think a lot of comics are driven. But like she put it into a physical space Mm -hmm. that this is where i'm gonna go this is where i'm headed this is my goal Mm -hmm. and i just love that maybe more foresight i think yeah more planning yeah (laughs) yeah yeah because she's we all know comics are great planners (laughs) some of them are better than others (laughs) okay so uh some well so we know your goals now um what do we not know about you that you want us to know about you Mm. Yeah, I guess looping back to the the word to describe the past, like bored. Mm-hmm. That's why comedy is very interesting to me. It's just when you go up in front of a crowd that's like not having fun, like how do you have fun yourself? Yeah. And so it's all about just like at the end of the day, you know, like I think. I don't know if it's anything worth saying. No, it's just <laughs> just have fun. I grew up like yeah. uh, it, was, it was just not fun. Like everybody like wanted to go to specific schools. Now all they mm. just want to do is become rich, and it's like I I've tasted that a little bit. Yeah. And yeah, I've never been more sad. Just like you know, you're sad when you're like at Rockefeller Center, like just staring at a Nintendo Switch you just bought with investment <laughs> banking money. <laughs> And then being like, holy shit, I don't feel any better. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good thing my son's not here listening to you talk trash about playing a Switch. (laughs) (laughs) I was playing Zelda that night and I was like, this isn't making, I'm not going to go to sleep happy. (laughs) Uh, Okay, have you you had an experience that, uh, where you feel like uh, you lost a crowd, but then you got them back? (laughs) Oh, like half a year ago, my sister was there. <laughs> it was oh, so gosh. bad, dude. 
And I've done that show before. It's like a fun room. I've done well. And I was like, yeah, come to this one. She brought her best friend, too. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just bombed for eight minutes. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I could see her just, oh. oh. <laughs> and then I won him over with the Asians can drive bit. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I got a little applause break, and then my sister was like, good recovery, but whoa. <laughs> what, were you nervous? And no, not really. Was... I, I made the mistake of pointing out that my sister was in the room. Uh... I, I'm not that crass of a comic, but just mentioning, like, going on a date and then, like, knowing that your sister's in the room, people, like, got weird. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Big, I learned that tonight. I got yeah. a big pop by just mentioning she was there, and I was like, this is going to go well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no. Because <laughs> they were judging you in terms of, what do they like? Do they like each other? What is, yeah. Trying yeah. to read more into it than Never do that actually again. enjoying your... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, let's have some fun questions. Uh, what is your favorite thing about being a performer? Mm. <clears throat> I'd say favorite thing is what you can bring off stage. I think... Um, it's possible to perform off stage. Like if you go to like a family dinner and then you just treat it almost as like crowd work, sometimes try out a new joke. Uh-huh. And so that's where like making your own fun comes in handy. Sometimes you'll talk to a boring ass person. I went to a cigar shop and he just, he sounded so dry and it was like, it made me sad. Uh-huh. And so you kind of just turn on the performer mindset and you're just like, how can I make this fun uh-huh. for him and like me? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I want to ask a question, and, and it, it may be too asking too far of a, a, of a judgmental question, but you, you used bored as your past, and I'm very self-conscious as a parent, uh, that if I hear somebody say they were bored growing up, that means their parents were boring. So uh, how do your parents feel about this life that you have now, and do they get annoyed with you trying to play the comic at family oh i never like make it obvious that i'm like in jokey mode Mm. it's very much just like shifting my mentality i guess to where like i'm like yeah yeah but (laughs) i just i I mess with them i'm like i'm just working on my public speaking (laughs) my whole life he's like yeah the mouth is your road you can only go as far as your words (laughs) so now i'm just biting him in the ass (laughs) <laughs> have they embraced this uh this uh side of you the embrace like... is a very strong word <laughs> very strong word tolerate <laughs> tolerate Tol- yeah that's all i really want i don't i don't care yeah if they, yeah, they can because yeah. it makes you happy and that's yeah it keeps me sane more than anything else yeah. um they don't really care at this point i mean i've been doing it like at home for like two years now yeah. and so they kind of know the routine and they know i don't like drink or like smoke or anything like that really yeah. And I'll just come home late, but, like, they never smell booze off of me. Yeah. So they're like, all right, he's not doing anything. He's just telling some dick jokes. <laughs> <clears throat> no, but my, my parents are, my dad especially is very fun. He, I mean, talk about, like, living in Paris. He, like, grew up in, like, Cambodia, Vietnam. So he's traveled a lot. He's, he's yeah. lived a very strong life. And my mom is, she's got a good sense of humor. So they're, like... They weren't boring. I think the environment that they put me in was kind mm. of boring because they just wanted me to go to Harvard and then like yeah. become a billionaire. And so that environment isn't like the most interesting yeah. to grow up in. Yeah. Yeah. But the bling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Dude. My dad is like always throwing stuff at me. He's like, dude, here's this jacket with a bedazzled tiger. You'll love it, dude. <laughs> now he just wears it. <laughs> goodness sounds like kane i don't know if you know who kane is no. i i religiously watch bling empire and, oh yes, and yeah, yeah, yeah kane is yeah. the one that's just always about flashing the flashiest thing you know, my dad's wanted to buy stuff from him he watches his show <laughs> oh, my God. oh i love that show but man i don't so funny because i was recording uh earlier today and <clears throat> I brought up Blame Empire, too. <laughs> so I have a problem with certain reality shows. Let's not even start talking about Love is Blind. Mm. So, uh, okay, so the flip side to that question I asked about five minutes ago now mm-hmm. is what is your least favorite thing about being a performer? Oh. 
<laughs> that everybody knows. <laughs> you you want to keep it almost as like a Superman or like a Batman thing, you know, yeah. to where like out at night, you go out there telling the truth, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, but like that that's what I do hate like about being in Austin, not the comedy scene in Austin, yeah. but like being performing in your hometown. Oh. It really sucks because like I'll have like aunts or like cousins on social media and then sometimes it'll be like, oh, tell us a joke. And I'm like, I don't want to do that at uh, all. Um, so it's just like, I don't talk about anything cringy. I don't even talk about family on stage. Yeah. But just the idea that they're there in your happy place yeah. like protrudes <laughs> in me. Like, so, oh, like I remember <laughs> I had a, my aunt's friend telling me that she wanted to go to a show and she wanted to bring my aunt. And my aunt is like, she gets triggered very easily, oh. and um, she she definitely would heckle, and not at me, not at uh-huh. me or anything. But if a comic went up there and like told kind of a mean joke about like jewelry or women, then she would have been like, "Fuck you, you piece <laughs> of shit. Move on to the next comic." And I straight up oh told gosh. her best friend just like. Don't bring her if you come. Like, I don't want her there. <laughs> I'm never straightforward like that, but I was like, don't ruin a show. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. I Yeah, that, that actually doesn't come up too much with the seven unicorns that are from Austin, <laughs> that it's awkward when family yeah. wants to, to come to a show. Yeah, I think it's even more awkward because they just see your old self. Like, uh, yeah. who you are when you're yeah. 26 I versus mean, 12, so different. Yeah, but and, you're always the baby, you know. You're yeah. always your parents' baby. Right. No matter oh, what, no, I'm so. just thinking about friends, like friends yeah. from high school. Oh, yeah. They like, they, they, they're them. like, holy shit, like, you're so different. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Austin is a great improv scene. Do you ever have any inkling to to do? No, I have three stand-up friends who do improv, and uh, they've been trying to get me to go. I, I want to, so. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm so scared that after, like, stand-up conditions you yeah so like you know like but it strengthens you it's that you know if you're strong in multiple areas they both get better oh for sure it helps you kill harder if you know how to like use your body yeah yeah and your creativity in a different way Mm -hmm. off the cuff yeah well you should think about it Oh, I definitely want to. I just, I need that extra push. I need to walk with a friend and then they like. Do you know uh, Yola Lou? Of course. Yeah. I mean. I've seen her improv show. Yeah. yeah. There you go. I know. Have Talk you done Y'all We Asian? Because they do a, the improv, but then they also yeah. have a feature. Okay. Mm-hmm. That right. was when I saw her do improv that night. Okay. All right. Okay. That's where I know your name from because I remember paying attention to the flyer and I wrote, I wrote the little article oh, okay. yeah. mm-hmm. in the Chronicle. Not to brag, but I just bragged. Uh, <laughs> so, yes, then you should... Um, I know. I think that's the most I've ever seen Asian comics on a stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that shows a big deal. Like, yeah. long running, sold out. A lot of East Asian out. comics, especially. Mm. It was like nine of them. Yeah. Yeah. So, there you go. You could do it. Start there. You know Yola. She's awesome. So, okay. Well, are you uh, are you ready for the final question? Oh, all right. Throw it to me. All right. What you got? One word to describe your future. Oh, my future. Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Actually, yeah. Keep that. There. Keep that there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. It's the vision boarding, manifesting. There you go. Is that written on your piece of paper? No, it's not. It should be. It should be. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. God, I, I, I know you have that little snapshot of like with the, the interview. Like, I, uh-huh. hope, I hope people don't just see the Netflix. <laughs> they read the end. <laughs> I'm so glad that you mentioned that because we just added that little feature to the article. Because oh, really? <laughs> I'm like, you know, nothing's being done with the the past and future. Uh, I have visions of some something that we can do with it because I collect it. I have this spreadsheet mm. that I keep everybody's first or past and future word. And it looks great. It's almost like a little like a little bio, you know? Yeah. Of them. Yeah. It was ulterior motive because the articles were getting 
it was it's hard to write when you write about a specific industry this is technical talk but when you write about a specific industry it's hard to say the same thing in creative ways and so my thought was if i create this little bio card then the article can focus on other things and the same things don't have to be said in the in you know you don't have to work as hard to say the same thing right in different ways. So I'm glad you're the first person that's actually told me, oh, I read that, I find it interesting. Or maybe you don't find it interesting, but you, you know, you acknowledge that it exists. So oh, yeah, I, I, I like that. it a lot, yeah. Cool, thank you. <laughs> and you'll get your own. <laughs> All right, well, that is a wrap on Comedy Wham presents Chris Tan Comedy thank you in for Austin. Not the actor that's Chris Tan, clogging yeah. up the Google search. <laughs> So with that in mind, tell us where we can find you on social media and promote your projects. Okay. Um, I'm trying to build up my, well, I am building up my YouTube channel on, it's, uh, yeah, my YouTube channel is Chris Tan Comedy. And then on Instagram, you can find me at Devoutly Chris Tan. <laughs> I'm on Facebook at Chris Tan, <laughs> the I built a fan page. There's like 12 people right now. We're, we're climbing up right yes. now. Yes. <laughs> Very good. And your show. Promote your oh, show. Oh, yes, yes. When does this come out? Uh, this is going to come out uh, mid-December. Mid-December. Oh, okay, shoot. Cool. I'll be running a show at the Alamo Draft House December 23rd and December 30th. So back-to-back Ooh, weeks. Fresh nice. lineups. Give out free movie tickets. And, uh, yeah, we'll be at Alamo Draft House Mueller. Very good. Very and great Mexican vanilla milkshakes. Oh, yes. So good. going to go on a tangent here. They used to have espresso shakes. Ooh. And I would always ask for the Mexican <clears throat> vanilla shake, but put the espresso bean on top Whoa. of the mix. I've but I don't think great. they have that, uh, that espresso no, shake anymore. anymore. So no. It's just a plain old boring vanilla shake, Mexican vanilla shake. There you go. I, I, I got, they hooked me up when I'm there because I run the show. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, I used my drink tickets to get milkshakes. I was double fisting. I was like, all right, I know the Mexican vanilla milkshakes are the best. What about the chocolate cookie one? <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, Mexican vanilla. If you're listening, don't waste your money on the chocolate chip one. <laughs> yeah, Mexican vanilla is the way to go for sure. All right. Well, we hope you've enjoyed learning about how Chris got to be the comedic genius that you heard today, just as much as I have. Uh, this has been Comedy Wham presents Chris Tan. Kristen. Chris Tan. <laughs> I'm trying to do that, you know, promo. Chris Tan yeah. for you. Uh, I'm Valerie, and that's been funny. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Valerie. I appreciate it.